Jess, there goes that New Year's resolution of uploading an episode every week. But hey, you know, things come up. It's 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 like towards end of January now. Let's do a little 2022 check. How's your year been going so far? Absolutely terrible. That's good, man. As it should. It's I'm fun. Have, have it's you been, been trying to do any resolutions or keep up with anything or anything like that? I think you can't have a laundry list of these things. I don't know if we finished it off on the last, because then then it's like it becomes too hard. I think you just just do the way I see it is you know just try to learn every day, do better than you did yesterday, and then you're not disappointed when you don't hit it off. Because come by February, there's going to be a lot of people that are going to be like, "Fuck it, let's just give up and we'll try again next year." Yeah, right. It's funny, my my wife, uh, she's like. She wants. She started doing the New York Times like crossword puzzle, so she's like, "Oh yeah, we could do it together." And then like she's like, "Yeah, when we're having like our coffee and tea and stuff, we'll we'll do the crossword puzzle." And that shit is pretty hard. So like out of like the sixty to seventy words that are on the crossword puzzle, their hints aren't that good. And then like out of the sixty, we get like ten of them. And then the rest of the time, I just watch her like going through. And she's, like, revealing the words and just cussing. It's like her road rage comes out. She's like, fuck, stupid bitch. What kind of a hint was that? And so, like, I was like, is this relaxing to you? <laughs> like, so so that that's one thing that I've been doing. But, um, yeah, man. Is it on, like, an iPad or something? Or did she it, actually pull out the newspaper? And No, no, it's on, it's on, it's on, it's on her laptop. Like, she oh. subscribed to it. So I was like, you subscribe to cheat. it. I would go just cheat. I would just go to Google. I would just cheat and go to Google. Right. That's the thing, man. You know, like I, I, she uses me for like the pop culture, like the entertainment references. So like, if it's like something sports related, or like the other day, like one of the hints was like a teenage drama set in the two thousands, and I was like the OC, and you know, you were right. Your boy, yeah, your boy gets the movie stuff right. Damn, but I forgot about the OC. But yeah, man, the crossword puzzle, especially that one. Like some of the hints are like one word, and then it's like, what do you do with this? But. You know. Do you know how many teenage dramas were set in the 2000s? Yeah. I watched that's, The O.C. That's why. I watched like the first couple seasons of The O.C. Did you ever watch it? No. Okay. It was good. It was I, good. I, I don't know. I think it, like, uh, it, was it about somebody being adopted and there was murder? It I don't was kind of like, like the white version of Prince of right? Bel-Air. Yeah, that's what I thought. Where he had like a fucked up childhood and got a, adopted into kind of like a rich family. But <laughs> I think I think it kind of like... Um, <laughs> The white. They rebooted the Fresh Prince also. Uh, yeah, Will dude. Smith's that... an actual executive. Um, he's an executive producer on the new version. It's kind of like a noir take on the Fresh Prince. Like a dramedy, I think now. Yeah. Like how yeah. the last one was more of a sitcom. This one's a little bit more. It looked good. I saw the trailer, and mm-hmm. then um, it's coming on like Paramount Plus or something. Or I don't think it's HBO. Is it on the Peacock? I don't know. Peacock. I think it might be on Peacock. Mm-hmm. Uh, I saw I saw a tweet from Jim Gaffigan the other day, and he said they should bundle all these, um, you know, streaming services up and call it cable. Since <laughs> 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 there's so many of them now, it's like TV providers are like, "Oh, you're not gonna watch us on TV? All right, all right, fuck it, we're gonna make five dollars there, a little ten dollars <laughs> here." Netflix like price goes up every year, even though their fucking stock took a dump. I don't think I watch. When's the last time you watched something on Netflix? It's been a minute, dude. It's been a minute. I know the new uh, DiCaprio movie, Don't Look Up, came out. And I 
been meaning to but like right now we got the book of boba fett we got peacemaker which we're going to get to at the end of the show like those are the main things that i've been watching and again on my off days like me and my wife have been binging harry potter so we are on the half blood prince now i, mm. I was talking to you about this the other day i was like hey man i'm, I'm like 20 years late on this but this harry potter thing it's a good tight. good movies right yeah yeah i'm excited to see how the finale ends but um again like 20 years late on that but um yeah, no, I haven't seen anything on Netflix lately. What about you? You see any documentaries or anything on there? No, I think the last thing I saw on Netflix. Weren't you watching they... that Kevin Hart show on there? Yeah, yeah, there you go. That, that was probably it, and I didn't, never even finished that. It yeah. started off really good. I hope it ended well. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I think Harry watched all of that one, but yeah. yeah. Um... Yeah, so last week, you know, didn't get didn't get to get around to getting making an episode. Things came up, but um, we got a pretty loaded episode this week for you guys. Episode forty nine, just it just so happens our forty niners. What, what a weekend of football! Right? Oh yeah, uh, I think it's it's you know it's always hard to tell in the moment. Like, hey, how does this kind of stack up all time? But I think everybody pretty universally around the board was like, hey, this was the best divisional playoffs of all time. Yeah, I, I cannot think of a better man. It was just that the 49ers find a way to like new ways to induce heart attacks for their fans every week. And it was just mm-hmm. like, it was just an amazing game. Yeah, we're going to homer a little bit, but. To do a that, to do that, when all week you heard, um, it's going to be too cold, it's going to be this, it's going to be that, and then, my God, Nick Bosa's out there like in shorts and like a skin. I, I, I don't, that I don't dude's get not that. human. I don't get that. Like, okay, so like their their thing is like, hey, like we're gonna wear short sleeves out here in the cold. And, you know, like, to be like, hey, we're tough against the cold. Does that hamper your performance at all because you are cold? Like, I'd be bundled up in a blanket. No, I, 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 no, because you can't be bundled up in a blanket when you're playing the game. So it's, I think he was, and that's kind of like psyching out. Robbie Gold was, like, kicking field. I think he was uh, practicing field goals, and they were, like, fucking with him earlier really? during their warm-ups. And what then, were they, how are they fucking with him? Like they were like they were doing something. They were either talking shit or they were like lining up, getting in his way. I saw like a slight video of it. The and Packers then, players, yeah. Mm. And you know what's funny is the funniest thing is, I think earlier on in the season when the Packers played the Bears and Rodgers won, and he said, uh, "We own you," or oh, I, own "I own you. you," yeah. And then the all-time leading scorer for the Chicago Bears was their kicker, Robbie Gold. And he nailed that last. And then Jimmy G runs up to him and goes, fuck the Packers. Yeah, Jimmy dude, G I, is a Chicago native. He grew up a Bears fan. Yeah, I, I saw that clip on Twitter after. Like, I remember you mentioned it to me before. And I was like, I was like, what do you mean? Like, it's literally him saying, like, fuck the Packers. <laughs> like, um, Gucci Garoppolo. It, it, it was incredible, man. Like, you know, speaking of owning, um, okay, Aaron Rodgers, 4-0 against you in the playoffs, buddy. Um yeah, and then now that old resurface video that's making its rounds of him saying the Niners are going to regret not picking him. Mm-hmm. And I, I do. <laughs> like, I wish, I wish we would have drafted him. It would have been nice. But um, uh, also, the also what's resurfaced is a video of him. I think from after they lost in 2019. Remember at Levi's, 
um he was like you know we got to get one of these back at lambo uh football's different when it's like 20 degree weather it's like okay who said that aaron Rodgers. it was in like a post game conference of after the after the 2019 game oh there you go all right dude we, we we'll do it over there too and um people have been doubting this niners team from the get-go and you can't blame them i think they were like three and five at one point in the season but they weren't healthy, um, just like, you know, similar to last year. Now, finally, they've gotten healthy, and they've gotten hot at the right time. That's that's the that's the type of uh, run you want to go on uh, when your team starts clicking at the right time. And it's really been since that Rams, um, you know, the, the comeback win from being 17 down, coming back, and then finishing them off at SoFi. They've been really riding that wave of, of momentum. They rode that into Dallas. And then they kept riding it into here. And they and that's the thing. Like, you know, when you kind of think of, like, team of destiny, like teams that just kind of figure out a way to win. And and people, I think people keep betting against them, and I like it. They keep giving them ammunition. The Rams decided to, um, that which they reversed, you said, from now, because they would be playing us. And they, they did this before, I think, they even had their game against Tampa Bay, where they made it where you could only buy tickets if you were – in the um, Southern California, Los Angeles region, to it's, the rent. It's, it's like, come on, man. Like, if you don't have, like, you know, they're, they're trying to do it so they maintain home field. But then when you're in a city like L.A., uh, where there's a lot of transplants, and you've moved a team there just a few years ago, it takes fucking years to decades to develop like a fandom unless it's like a city uh like that's been clamoring for a team that will embrace it right away like if 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 seattle got a basketball team again it's not gonna be like you know like they're all gonna fucking embrace it look at vegas like like we're not we're not seeing the same stuff with vegas like in la like dude i'm sorry like you don't have that many rams fans there so when these games are happening this has been happening all year not just that Niners game um it happens a lot more to the Chargers because for how many ever Rams fans are there's even less Chargers fans so like literally like these teams like especially the Chargers like they don't have home games like when they're away they have to deal with the crowd and even at home like the Rams had to go into a silent count when they were playing the Niners because the crowd was too loud and the thing is it's unfair to people I know plenty of Rams fans in Bakersfield um and other places you know i know plenty of i'm sure maybe there's few rams fans that are still in st louis you know maybe some people still what if they wanted to go to the game you know what if people from northern california that were rams fans wanted it's just i get it i I get what they're trying to do but it just came off as like petty yeah petty scared and i think you know like what tends to kind of happen is um is when whenever you try to do something like this like it kind of backfires and i bet you that there's going to be even more people going to the game now they're like oh you tried to pull this bullshit all right i think joe staley and frank gore were tweeting that like you know we'll be selling like you know we're going to be if, if any of the rams fans want to sell their tickets or whatever like we'll buy it but then yeah since then Ticketmaster's gone away with this because like it, it, it this was like all over twitter the other day i think the reason he said that was somebody like a rams fan tweeted if any of the Rams fans aren't going or selling their tickets, sell them to me. I'll buy them. And you retweeted that person because she was trying to say, don't give them to Niners. 
he or she, I forgot who the original tweeter was, but see, when you do stuff like that, and I want it to be a good game, but that's kind of like when you, when it comes to a shark and they smell blood in the water, like, you're kind of already showing that you're kind of psyched out, or you're kind of, but, um, you know, we'll see what happens, I just want a good game, I want to. Um, I'd be happy with a blowout be, Niners win. Like I was, yeah, I, me too, me too, me too. But you know, uh, we can't counter. Everybody thought, everybody thought the Tampa Bay mm-hmm. Buccaneers were going to be going. But uh, man, Brady almost did it. Almost, almost did it. Almost did it. If that, if they come back from that and they full like you know complete the comeback and beat the Rams, that's a thing that's hard to get past. Um, but then the Rams stuck it out and came back. So, you know, kind of goes back to the wave of momentum that I was talking about the Niners riding. Now the Rams kind of have a little momentum of like, hey, you know, this team almost came back, but we, we finished the job. We're not chokers. We fucking came through when we needed to. Do. And fucking like out of all the guys, you're going to fucking let Cooper Cup be in single coverage and get the coverage blown. Cooper fucking Cup, really? And... um. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't on Brady, though. It, yeah, it wasn't on Brady. It wasn't on Brady whatsoever. I mean, he completed the comeback. Um, you know, like you could say, like, it was it was just crazy. Like, the defense came through uh, because they had the turnovers. It was just that lapse at the end there. And, um, you know, Brady did what fucking Brady does. Do you think this is it for him? There it is. There is that question that we ask every end of every season. I don't know. Because I don't see this man not playing unless somebody like is just like, I feel like even the worst team in the NFL, if he wanted to keep playing, right? Mm-hmm. I I just feel like if he wants to keep playing, there's no way he can't find a team to play for. And I think that's what it comes down to. Um, I think he won a championship with his Bucks team. I don't see them being able to win again. Uh, just because I think they have some cap shit going on now. And what Antonio Brown did this year. And, um, like, if Antonio Brown was out there, you know, it would have made a difference. Like, obviously. Like, no, like you could hate on the guy as much as you want. Like, Brady fucking would have loved him out there. But what God about homecoming? Would, what, if, what if he just went back to the Pats for one more year? I, from what he's saying, he was on some podcast saying he wants to play for the Ravens. Or, or you're talking about Brady going back. Yeah. I don't it know, would man. make literally zero sense since they have Mac Jones, but I mean, you know, that would be that would be. I heard on the Bill Simmons' pod, uh, storybook ending. A couple things are getting floated out. It's like, why not the Niners? Like, he said that about he said that about Brady and Rogers, both like you know one or the other, like possibly. Trey Lance is just like, hello, hello, I'm I, I'm here, like you guys drafted. Just keep developing, me. Trey. Like Trey's like, man, fuck. <laughs> First I, first, I got Jimmy, and now I get, like, his... I mean, if it was, like, a one-year deal, I'd be okay with Trey sitting it out for one more year, you know? Yeah. We we win this Super Bowl with Jimmy, and then we let Brady try to have another one, two Super Bowl appearances back-to-back, and then... All right, all right, all right. Now now this has turned from, that pod, from, from our podcast to that, like, phone call we have, like, yearly or multiple times a year where we get a little delusional, and, like, that's it. That's what this is turning into now. But um, and then on the other side we had the Chiefs game. Speaking of delusional, 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 that was kind of like, man, I had a couple of friends that were um. No, you know what? That's mean. I won't call them delusional because they're they were Bills fans, 
And honestly, if if Josh Allen gets that ball, who knows? So right? that was the big thing that came out of all of this, that all of Twitter was at an uproar about afterwards and stuff. Like, um, So obviously this was probably one of the craziest games, uh, one of the craziest fucking divisional games, if not the craziest. Like, I work Sunday, so, like, I watch it throughout the day, like, and then, like, I had this on my phone uh, going. And kudos to the NFL, man. They're doing it right. Like, they just stream their fucking games on the NFL app or on the NFL Fantasy app. So, like, you know, I, I was watching it there. It was the ending where when I tuned in fucking, I think the Bills had just scored, and then the Chiefs came back, and then that's when Tyreek Hill had that, like, 65-yard touchdown. And then, like, um, and then, like, there's a minute left, and it cuts to Josh Allen. Josh Allen was the fucking, you know, motherfucker throughout this game. Like, it, 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 he's just, like, nodding right away, and he's, like, telling us. He turns around right away and he's like, we're okay, we're okay. And they go out there, boom, march down the field. They score. There's 13 seconds left. 13 seconds left. Now, this is one big thing about that 13 seconds left is, the Chiefs had all three timeouts. If this was Mike McCarthy and the Cowboys, those would have been long gone. Like, let's call a draw play. Yeah, like, like, see, like that. That's that's what shows you good coaching and the value of time management and the timeouts. In 13 seconds, they were able to get down the field and kick a field goal to send it to overtime. That was the wildest ending. And yes, the overtime was a little underwhelming. Everybody was talking about like, oh. If you win the coin toss, the game was decided by a coin toss. Like the game was, the coin toss dedicated like dictated who the who got the ball, but that team still marched down the field and scored. Like the other team's defense is still out there. Like okay, this was always the thing because back in the day, with what the teams used to do is in overtime, you don't have to go score a touchdown. You just get into field goal range. You kick a field goal, you win the game. So the NFL was like, okay, we'll change that rule to if you kick a field goal. It's not sudden death. You, if you score a touchdown, still sudden death. If it's just a field goal, the other team gets the ball back. And if they don't kick a field goal or score, then the game's over. So now people are clamoring, clamoring once again for a rule change, Jess. What I, do you I, I don't agree with it because the Rams game that we went into overtime, kicked a field goal and picked off Matt Stafford to win. Had like, and that it ended, right? So it was our defense. So they, their defense, you know, at the end of the day, I don't know. I, so, I don't agree with it. I think it's perfect. There's, there, it is what it is, and Josh Allen will be back. Yeah, There's, this I man think, will be back. Mahomes said, like, ran up to him at the end of the game and said, "We're gonna keep doing this, man." Um, he he's arrived. Um, you know, like he's been good. Like, and then this kind of shows you his development. Like from year to year, he's taken a giant step up, and the team as a whole. And it just sucks. Um, so okay, uh, about that rule change. Like, what what do you think would be the alternative to fix that rule or anything? Because literally everybody was just like NFL, get rid of this rule, get rid of this rule. So, do you think there should be no sudden death in the overtime? It's like, hey, we're playing ten minutes. You just keep playing. Keep going back and forth, and then whoever's no, up I, at the end. I don't think you need to fix what's not broken. I think it's perfectly fine. I mean, or do we go into hey, like how they did a couple years ago? If you kick a field goal, the game still continues, and now change it to even if the team scores a touchdown, the other team at least gets a chance to score a touchdown, and if they don't, then the game's over. So it's not sudden death at the touchdown. 
I don't know. Personally, I feel like it's fine. It is how it is. Honestly, I would I can see the NFL trying to do that because it makes it more game for them. But um, if your defense is good enough, you'll hold them to it. Like the Rams were good enough. They held us to a field goal and they had a chance. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like if the defense was good enough to do it, they could have held them and then Josh Allen would have got his chance. Yeah. And then, you know, the the other flip side of that would be like the defense is exhausted, blah, blah, blah. They've been out there for long. But it's it's you know i i don't know like i i, I kind of zagged when everybody was like oh the, you change the rule change the rule i was more on your side of like you know like you could have finished the game don't give the guy 13 seconds any of that stuff um something non-game related to that was you know mahomes uh fiance um she was getting shit on twitter uh she was getting she gets a lot of shit from a lot of people for a lot of reasons um, her and, um, his brother, uh, Jackson, but, uh, she was getting shit cause after the game ended, you know, she's in a, they're in a suite, um, on top and, uh, she popped a bottle of champagne and started spraying down on the crowd and, um, people were giving her shit from that. Like, Hey, it's freezing. Like maybe the fans don't want to be doused in alcohol and like, People and then and then she tweeted like I just want to be able to do what I want for a week and not get hated by everybody. Mm. It's like rough life. It's like it's the jackassery. I think what people don't like about them isn't like who they are as people and stuff because nobody knows who they are. But it's like we get some of these um, where Patrick's the one on the field doing all the amazing shit, but your antics. Like, you're doing this type of bullshit that's putting attention on yourself. Like, if you want to be happy that he won and you want to celebrate and stuff, but then it's like the antics you do take away from that. So, I don't know the if... Thing is you, and the thing is, you, she is getting to do what she wants. Okay, fine. You want to do what you want, do it. And this is, in return, what you... this The hated on, the people getting mad. Well, that's that's what... You're doing what you want, and people are doing what they want. They're hating on you because you're being... Is facetious a good word? Yeah, I was just I gonna say, say stupid. Yeah, yeah, I think I think either fits. But like, yeah, dude, like think about it. Like, like it just uh, when I saw the video, it like it rubbed me the wrong way because you're in a suite overlooking all of these people down there, and you're just like spraying them down with alcohol, and it's like Kansas City in January where it is freezing. But it's just like it's like if you want to pop a bottle of champagne, spray it around your suite. Like, what are you dousing the fans down there for? And it's like it's like your jackassery. Like this is. This is kind of the stuff that people would like have against Aisha Curry to extent back in the day where it's like like your guy or you know like your person like the guy that's on the field is getting all the shine well deserved but you're like well I want some of that attention too so I'm going to do this shit but it's like dude like he's the one doing all the incredible shit I will I will let you know and I, I'm going to say this very proudly I don't think I've seen like I saw maybe like a mini clip of like Patrick sitting there all sad and Jackson Mahomes dancing around him. But besides that, I've seen no other videos. Good. Good for you, man. Good for you. I am very proud of that fact. Yeah. And um, I saw a tweet. Um, it was a meme. It said the only man that could save us from having to watch Jackson Mahomes twerking at the Super Bowl. And it was a picture of Joe Burrow. Speaking of arrivals. Uh, we talked about Josh Allen's arrived. Young Joe Burrow 
is going to and, his first AFC Championship game. And the thing about him, and then the other thing I was talking about, Nick Bosa earlier in the cold. You know, both of these men, both of these, um, both of these players, they're coming off of ACL tears. So the, they're both like I would say comeback uh, of the year candidates. Right? Of course, yeah, uh, definitely, one hundred percent, one hundred percent, and. You know, uh, three of the games this weekend were decided on a, on a, I like, or, you know, decided out the walk-off field goal. Um, Bengals, Char- uh, Bengals uh, Titans, Niners, Packers, and the Rams and Bucks game. And so the Bengals Titans game was actually the first game played. And I think Joe Burrow got sacked nine times. That's insane. Like, that's the thing, dude. Like, with their offensive line, like, they just can't they just can't protect the guy. And that's what caused – I think he, he had an ACL and an MCL. Like, his knee was fucked. But, yeah. you know, they, they gutted it out. They won it. Uh, Ryan Tannehill threw, like, three interceptions. He's probably done in Tennessee now. And do you know what their kicker, uh, the Bengals kicker, McPherson? He's a mm-hmm. rookie. Oh, wow. You know what he said to the backup quarterback before he walked out there to kick the final kick? What? He said he was standing there, and when it was like, okay, you know, like, hey, you, you can go out and kick, he, like, turns to the backup quarterback and goes, well, looks like we're going to the AFC Championship game, and then, like, trots out there, fucking kicks, I think, a 52-yarder or something, a rookie. Damn. Yeah, so. How heavy it must be to kick with those giant balls. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly, <laughs> but um. So yeah, is that man. enough? Uh, That's enough NFL. You think? Yeah, stay I tuned. Oh man, NFL. if the Niners win, we are gonna be unbearable. I am gonna be dousing all of you with champagne. Just <laughs> <laughs> gonna show up at our listeners' house and be like, ah. <laughs> oh man. Um. So to the entertainment portion of it, kind of touched up and touched it up uh, up top. Uh, Book of Boba Fett and Peacemaker. I say let's go Peacemaker first and we'll finish it with Book of Boba Fett. Um, episode four, I think it was. So Peacemaker dropped, um, I think, two weeks ago now. And then they dropped it on HBO Max. Like, here's episode one, two, and three. Take it. And then episode four came out last week. So we're going to kind of talk about all four episodes. Um, Spra- yeah, we'll, we're just going to go sporadically yeah. down there. But... um. Yeah, go go ahead, go first. Give me so your initial. What did thoughts. you think about Peacemaker? Like you know, like obviously he was in the Suicide Squad, the James Gunn Suicide Squad, the most recent Suicide Squad that came out last year, and um, you know John Cena uh, plays Peacemaker. And um, what were your thoughts on him seeing him in the movie? Because I remember like before the movie dropped, it was it came out that like hey that they're gonna develop a Peacemaker show um, with James Gunn kind of at the helm. What were your what were your thoughts when you first heard of that? My biggest thing was I didn't know what it was going to be about, but I liked Peacemaker's character, you know, minus the ending of how it, it ended. But as soon as I heard James Gunn was going to be attached to it, I was like, all right, this is probably going to be good. You know, I didn't, I'll be honest, I wasn't like hyped for it and I wasn't like anticipating it. And that's what made it that much better. When I watched that first episode, I was like, holy shit. Like, James Gunn has been like a godsend to the DC universe. Right? Yeah, 100%. He, like, right off the bat, this show was like just boom. Like, it, it, it takes off. 
Like it just it's just like yeah. I thought we were gonna have another Hawkeye situation on our hands, where I was like, oh man, we're, I'm, I'm gonna get behind on the episodes, and then gonna like you know it's gonna be a task to fucking watch them all. But uh, the day that I watched the first episode, you know, me and my wife we binged all three, so we were already caught up. Like in that same night, we just went through all three of the episodes, and you know some of the highlights I have uh, noted down here. Um, the opening scene that he has with the mop guy in episode one, where he's like talking, like, fine, I'll, I'll kill more white people too. Like, I thought that was funny. And they kind of set the tone of the show. And, you know, we could kind of go character by character. Let's start with John Cena. Like, fucking. This is John Cena's, I would say, best acting job I've seen so far. How many John um, Cena acting jobs have you seen? I saw some movie where he was the Marine a couple of years ago. Yeah, I think it's called The Marine. Yeah, sound, sounds about right. <laughs> on the nose a little bit, but and then, um, damn, did he do anything else besides that in Peacemaker? He was in, I'm I sure think, he's done I, I think, stuff. I think in he between. was in Legendary. Um, yeah. that was like a but nothing really stood out. This stood out. This yeah. this kind of was just like he this showed his, his acting arrival. range. Yeah, yeah, this is he, his arrival into acting. Like kind of like how uh, Batista had you know like he really launched him after uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, Suicide Squad was that to an extent and this is going to be even more like uh, John Cena's already a kind of a household name you know from his career with the WWE um, I, re- I remember like uh, you know like I watched his career throughout um, I remember his first match that he had against Kurt Angle on Smackdown and he was this kind of generic character and, he wasn't um, he he had a was that before he had that yeah. spinner belt yeah and that. then and then it was a Halloween episode where he was kind of dressed like a rapper or whatever. And then after that, he just ran with that gimmick. And then we got the Dr. Thugonomics. And then he did drop like a, yeah, he dropped an album back in the day. And then, yeah, the spinner belts and all that stuff. And then he slowly morphed into like the hustle loyalty respect. Like people started calling him like Barney because he was wearing like bright colors and stuff. And then, you know, but so this, this is again, this like compared to his like WWE character as well. Like this is, uh, very different because just how fucking raunchy and raw and just fucking off the cuff and uh you know how how much peacemaker is and and you get to see that in these little outbursts that he has like throughout the show like he cusses out like his dad's like elderly neighbor guy just fucking like digs (laughs) into him he has so many i was writing down so like i said we're gonna go sporadically right there's so many things that are, and I was trying to like look at little quips and stuff, right? But there's just way too many. Like you mentioned the one about him wanting to kill more white people. And then I think there was another one where he said something about Chewbacca's asshole. And then like how he's just having like, there's a character. So basically they're trying to kill. The gist of the show seems to be like there are these um, butterflies and we don't know where they came from yet. They're... It's kind of like, um, They're and that's what or I, that, yeah, that, that's what I love about James Gunn. Like he doesn't care. Like the last, and there's a quip about that too, where he goes project starfish and he goes, it was a literal giant fucking starfish. Guess what? Project butterfly. We find out in the latest episode, it's literally like butterfly aliens that are inhabiting people and like they're taking them over and shit. And, um, see that was a quip where he talks about that. And then when he's trying to fight off like the butterflies and then he ends up that it's just so funny like he ends up hooking up with a butterfly he's been in jail so he's trying to hit on one of the other characters what were the characters 
he's trying to hit on um jennifer holland's character who's amelia harcourt she's an argus agent so basically this starts off with argus a bunch of argus recruits this is kind of argus is a amanda waller they're um, like being punished for like remember in for, the suicide squad they they kind of flip on amanda waller and continue to assist task for x so these yeah, guys are so, like being punished by having to do this kind of co-op case basically and then they reach out to this and it starts off with them going up to um john cena's character chris smith peacemaker and they're like well it's either this or you go back to jail because he's supposed to be in jail and that's how he just gets out so now he's involved in this and the other people involved in this with him are is um daniel brooks plays leota Adebayo. she's the daughter of amanda waller and nobody else knows yet and um you have freddie storma who plays Adrian Chase, he's not involved. Vigilante. In Vigilante, yeah. He does not involved with Argus, but he's Peacemaker's best friend. My second or first favorite character on the show. This guy is a monster, like, dude. He's just a fucking sociopath. Yeah. And he's, he's I love it. And then you have um, Chukwudi Iwushi. I don't know if I'm saying his name right. Luwushi, I don't know. Don't ask we'll find me. out. Clemson Morn. And they haven't shown you his dark past, but they keep talking about it. He's done some shit. And then you have Steve Aggie, who plays John Economis. Economis, motherfucker. Yeah. And then Robert Patrick, who played the Liquid Terminator in T2, returns. Like, I knew he was familiar, and I saw that on Twitter. They're like, yo, this is... Did you know that's... And I was like, oh, shit. From Liquid Terminator to... Super racist white supremacist. Yeah, Augie Smith. The most the hateable character. Like, hands down. Oh, yeah, hands down. I like start right off the bat. like, And then Eagly. You can't forget Eagly. Eagly um, is everybody's favorite. Like, That's what fucking James Gunn's so good at. Like, think of like. I fucking, Googled if you can you can have a pet eagle and no, it's, it's federally like a crime. So, yeah. like Groot, Rocket. Like eagly, like when I was watching my wife's like, e- I think I think that's a real eagle. I was like, no fucking way, <laughs> they're using a real goddamn eagle for this. Like I said, I think it's a federal crime. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna tell her this after. It's like, hey, so that's not a real eagle. It's a federal crime. Yeah, but um, yeah, man. So that that's the Argus. They're the recruits, and they're going after these butterflies. And then right off the first bat, Peacemaker fucks one of them. Like. He goes to pick up on um, Jennifer on Amelia Harcourt, and then she denies him, and he ends up going home. Can't blame him though, man. Yeah, and then so he goes home with what turns out to be a butterfly, where she butter and what butterflies are like, they're literal butterflies encompass people, and they give them super strength and like butterfly tongues, I guess. Yeah, and then Um, like that's how they eat and stuff. And it was funny because they're like, "How did she know? Like, why did she randomly attack you? Like, after you guys are hooking up?" He left the fucking file. Like their top secret file, just like on her bed, and then like she comes back and reads. It. And that fight scene between the two of them was pretty crazy. Oh, yeah. And we kind of the music see... was perfect. I love, I no, love the how music's James been. Go- oh man, the music's been the, the, fucking. The music on going point. on in the back of that fight scene, it was just so. I was just like, like I was, in, it was like, in. it's like I think like this one's it's a lot of eighties music, and then like we kind of see like what other type of superpowers or the like kind of weapons he has in his like arsenal is like he does the sonic boom with his helmet which just fucking wrecks everything and then what i liked about this so much was because when episode one ends you see the the cops coming 
And then you know what happens a lot in these shows is like, oh, he just got away. Uh, you know, and then we pick up an episode two. He just got away. Um, this episode two is actually like half of it is about how he gets out of there and how he like because he has to run back in. The cops have him surrounded and he's like making his get away from there. So that like, you know, I like that, like the consequences of him doing the sonic boom thing takes up like half of the next episode because it like you know we're going through like how the fuck does he escape from the cops how does he get out of there he had the like super funny like interactions with the couple that he kind of takes hostage for a little bit that was so funny and then at the end like when well, they he's send, making his getaway yeah um, when they send out a bio to go talk to them mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. he goes are you trying to bribe us like i'm so the little quips is all james gunn like you Th- can that tell. was so funny when that that husband and wife are coming out the door and then he's getting the door for his wife and she's like i could get it for myself and he's like i'm being a gentleman you asshole like i was <laughs> dying when i like at that part I was, I, I was just like fucking so i think then we you know like i said we're gonna jump off back and forth so that's kind of like the first gist of the first two episodes and then um economist kind of blame uh, he frames his dad um augie the white dragon as to the person who was there that night and, and he's he like gets from arrested. all the fucking people you could choose and i think um what's his name um herm who uh, uh, not not augie the other guy on the team Merm. Mern? Mern. 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 he's yeah. like from all Clemson the fucking Mern. people you could pick to frame him you choose his dad like he already doesn't trust us enough as it is so and then what did you think about that scene when the cops go and interrogate his dad and again super racist oh yeah he just he kind of reminds me of um no because you know his character was actually a good person i was gonna say um what was that movie uh gran turismo where he just keeps calling everybody a gook um, oh yeah but it's like easy. a way worse <laughs> all right you, you use that uh, in quotes like a quote that was from the movie it was uh not fucking uh jesus Man. now i'm blanking on his name He's a he's a famous director, one of the best actors of all time. He Dude. directed Gran Turismo. His name is Michael Bay. No, it's not fucking Michael I'm Bay. Kidding, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It is Clint Eastwood. There you go. Um, came to me. So yeah, that and there and so in the moving forward from that, his dad gets arrested third episode opens with them um, oh, we, 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 real quick at the end mm-hmm. of like episode two cena has that crying scene where he's in bed like crying and again like yeah. this is where we kind of see the range and it, it is still kind of funny when he is crying but like he is fully immersed in this character and just fucking going for it and doing a great job and that's when we really see vigilante like you know like him and vigilante are buddies from the past or whatever and cena's been in jail this whole time and then Vidge is like, hey, like, you know, like, you know, they're kind of like getting like, you know, catching up again. And then there's that, you know, we, we mentioned there's a lot of quips and stuff. But this is where he says the Louis C.K. Yeah. joke uh, where he's like jerking off in front of people. And then, um, yeah, so, th- yeah, then then we go into episode three. Go ahead. So episode three. And, and then it, that ends up on like a beautiful little thing of them just destroying shit. And they're just kind of like. Um, they go to target practice and he like saved up a bunch of shit for them to just Don't they like, have a three-way with the the dude's wife too? Doesn't it end with that? <laughs> yeah, that too. 
That was hilarious. I thought that's but, where you were going when you said that. It ends no, with a beautiful was, scene. No, I, w- I was talking about like the music and everything. The montage. Shit yeah. Up. yeah, the montage. But um, after so episode three kind of opens up with them where they have to assassinate. And it kind of goes back into that him crying scene. He's trying to let me fight his di- uh, demons. He's done some bad shit. And he's kind of figure out who he is, you know. And who he wants to be as the peacemaker. And what... Episode three kind of saw uh, they have to kill what he, a U.S. senator, Roland Goff, who is a suspected butterfly. But the catch is, Mern tells him that if his wife and children are also butterflies, he's going to have to assassinate them as well. And then, so, you know, they're staking out in front of his house, and it turns out the whole family, this is where you see that weird tongue scene, and they're, um, they're in the family, and so he has to, he has to snipe them. Yeah, and, and his, like, the thing that he said in Suicide Squad really gets brought up a lot, where I don't care, uh, I care, but I cherish peace with all my heart. I don't care how many men, women, and children I need to kill. And it's like, all right, dude, you go around saying this to everybody. Let's see you do it. And then his big thing is, like, you guys didn't put the dove of peace. I can't kill people if there's not a dove of peace on the rifle. And, you know, it's him, like, they are staking out, and fucking vigilante like followed them there to make sure he was okay or whatever and then you know they're like take the shot take the shot take the shot and you know he he's he's struggling because he's having to kill kids and then vig just says hey dude like let, let, lot, he's such a sociopath he is he's let me let me get that for a second and he just takes them all out and then you have um this is where you They've kind of shown the judo master before, and I already knew he was going to be kicking everybody's ass. The minute they show him, they just start cracking up about, oh, he's only like two feet tall. And before he takes out the actual center, he takes out everybody else. And then you see the judo master's like first appearance, and he just kicks their ass. Like, I thought that was just, when I when I saw him. God, I can't believe we didn't talk about the opening credits. Um, we'll, 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 let's save the opening credits for the end. Uh, just the whole dance scene and stuff. But um, when I saw Judo Master in the opening credits, I was like, is that the detachable kid? Remember, he was uh, he was in Suicide Squad, but no. So it's Judo yeah. Master. And mm-hmm. yeah, just whooping on everybody. And then you have that scene between Harcourt and Adebayo uh, with the other security guard that they're, you know, Har- uh, Adebayo just struggles to kill. And then, you know, the, the fucking Cena and Vigilante get captured and the senator guy has them in like a underground fucking thing. And then is the torture scene a part of episode three? It, yeah, it is, right? It That's is how it ends. Torture, that, that, was, that, was, that was the funniest fucking scene. That's the funniest torture scene, somebody would say. Uh, yeah. He goes, don't worry, I'm not going to give him anything. He goes, G- give him a little bit, maybe, perhaps. You give him a little and then he's like... Like when he's trying to cut off his pinkies, like ah, why aren't you sharpening your tools? Like you gotta keep up, uh, like the maintenance with your torture, <laughs> torture. tools, yeah. man. Like God, this is just it's it, dude. This is show is just I'm telling you. And the the other aspect that James Gunn brings to it is, you know, DC has this thing where they're on the fence. They don't know whether they want a universe, whether they want things to be separate. Here. James Gunn's like kind of already dropped a bunch of references already earlier in an episode. He talks about Batmite. So Batmite's like a character from the Batman series is like from a different universe. And then in episode four, when it starts off, you know, you have Mern talking to him like, hey, are you like all there? You couldn't do what you needed to do. And then 
he tells them how they're going to keep vigilante on the team and then he kind of goes yeah yeah are you guys sure he goes i'm just i'm just saying he goes that dude's kind of crazy he goes but i worked with matter eater lad that's another dc universe um character and his thing is he he can just consume matter and he talks about how he ate a whole restaurant because they got his order wrong so my main thing is james gunn is like just dropping references and he's like making it sure like all these dc characters exist in this universe batman must exist in this universe somewhere we have a batman rant um Mm -hmm. i think it it might be in episode three or episode four um I gotta check my notes, uh, but um, that Batman rant was nice too. Oh, is that where the old man asks if he if he's like Batman? Yeah, so that is episode four. So we'll get to yeah. that when we start talking episode four. Um, but yeah, so and then yeah, go, ahead, go ahead, keep on. No, no, yeah, no, that was that was my main thing. I really like it. Um, maybe it'll give us an opening to, maybe we'll see somebody else from the DC. You, um, like a bigger character who knows and that's but, a, and that, uh, a bigger character or even these smaller characters like that's the thing about marvel dc there are thousands from all the all the characters we've seen live action so far there are tens of thousands of more characters out there that we haven't seen and like that are everybody's you know they're they're just out there so like it is cool like yeah when he mentions the big guys but i think it's also cool when he mentions these smaller obscure characters a lot that i don't know about but you know like you you know uh i'm sure when you hear it you're like oh shit because you know you you, you, i'm sure you've read about them and stuff like that i picked up yeah i picked up batmite right off because he's like showed up in a few episodes he's like an alternate universe or parallel universe version of batman but that's what's so neat about it and i think DC needed somebody. I hope they, even after this, I hope they keep James Gunn around to helm other projects, even though he's going to be going back to the MCU Guardians to finish three. off yeah. the Guardians movie. And that might be it. Um, I think he might culminate it with Guardians 3. But then again, like, it's not like, it's not like where they're like, you, you have to work for one studio or the other. Like, you could jump back and forth. Yeah. If you're making successful, good content, like, I don't think they're going to give a fuck. Yeah, that's true. It's and not- that's actually the cool thing about James Gunn, because we see guardians and stuff now is James Gunn like toned down and having to be PG 13, but this he could run free and he's not necessarily directing all the episodes. I think he's more so like how John Favreau, uh, for, you know, Mando and book of Boba Fett is kind of helming it. Yeah. And, and you know, give me that all day, man. Yeah. So moving on to episode four, then that's when he finds out that, you know, what they did with his dad and he's, and they got him arrested and everything. So he wants to go see his dad. And um, when when he gets there, kind of, um, Adebayo kind of puts this thing in Vigilante's head to kill his dad, in a way. Vigilante loves fucking Peacemaker, yeah. man. Yeah. And his whole thing about him, like, and he looks, so what you kind of see in this episode with his dad, the White Dragon, he was like, a villain, it seems like, must have been because he's going in there. He goes to his dad. That's how he finds out he's arrested from his neighbor, where his neighbor goes on a rant about Batman that you're talking about. That, like that, that rant. Like we've had, we've had these kind of talks in the past. I think like people have talked about it. Like, how many people does Batman indirectly kill? Because that's his only rule that he won't kill. So he just locks these guys up, and then they break out and they continue to kill. So. Like, that's what Cena says. Like, he's like, I, I don't have a rogues gallery because my rogues gallery is six feet in the ground already. Yeah. 
So that occurs right, and that's when he finds out his dad's arrested, and that occurs right before he, like, kind of ransacks his dad's superhero lair. Not even, I wouldn't call his dad a super. I, I have no idea what this white dragon character did, but it probably wasn't good things. But he steals all of his helmets and stuff, so. And then, uh, so we saw this, like, their super closet in the first uh, episode, and then I was like, what the fuck is that? Like, how does that work? And then he kind of sa- explains it to Vigilante in episode four, that it's like a quantum something, right? Yeah. And then you see a lot of stuff in the flashbacks. Um, this is why he's so fucked up. His dad forces him to kill his brother, it seems like. They don't, they don't, they don't show that he killed his brother, but, you know. It's they, either kill or torture. Yeah, because it, it, it's like he, I don't know if he kind of like blocked it out of his memory about his brother or whatever. But, like, his brother gets brought up a couple times in episode four where, um, you know, they and then, and then he ultimately asks Harcourt, like, what does my record say? And then they're like, you know, it's like fucked up shit. But it says that, you know, your dad started training you as to kill when you were a super young age and that your brother died. And like you might have been kind of associated with that or something like it's not clear. And um, in the flashbacks we see where it looks like he's just 12 or like 13, you know, like very young. And his dad makes him kill somebody like he stabs the guy to death. And the guy's like, no, no, he's like tied up and stuff. And then, you know, he's crying, and then um, his dad's just, like, fucking smiling. He's a sadistic fuck. Mm-hmm. Again, so the most hateable character. Like, eight, Oh, yeah, easily. Like, the butterflies seem lovable up to this point. And that's why um, that's why Vigilante goes in there to kind of kill him. But he, he gets, um, before he can do it, you know, he pusses out. Um, not Vigilante, um, the white dragon. or He kind of, like, calls the guards and stuff like that, and... All that stuff and that vigilante jail scene is was fucking. It reminds me of it paralleled to um. It kind of reminded me of that Rorschach or jail scene. Mm-hmm. Like, like and the episode. It was it was after episode four. Like I was yeah. already really liking vigilante's character, and after this episode four, I was like, oh my god! Like just the back and forth he has with Cena. It's like they are both just so fucking in it, and their chemistry, both of theirs, is great. And I, I remember like after episode four, I was like, this guy might be my favorite character on the show. And Freddy, again, since I mentioned I've been fucking going through the Harry Potters, he's actually in the Half-Blood Prince. Oh, no way. Yeah, he is. Um, he's one of the Quidditch players. Um, and um, but yeah, so like just just seeing him, dude, like I that, fucking love that Dungeons character. and Dragons scene makes sense now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I I, yeah, I, so, I, 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 yeah, love his character. He, he's just fucking absolutely killing it. And then, yeah, go ahead. So, yeah, um, so his they dad's get him out like of jail. saying he, they, yeah, they, they get vigilante out of jail. And then, um, out of bio shoots judo master, but I don't know if he's dead. He's not dead, right? Cause you have, um, Mm-mm. you Do have you think a, judo master a, joins a, the team. I think so. I feel like I feel like you know how he, that m- opening montage. I feel like maybe he joins the team. You know the way he's like carrying him around and shit. Like I don't know. We'll, we'll find out. But um, what's his name? Economics or whatever. Like he, I think it's like episode three where he runs Judo Master over and like beats him over the head, and then now he's like the one that's been in charge of like containing him. Yeah. Die beard. Die beard, yeah, um, economist, yeah, that's him. <laughs> um, and then 
there was just so much going on in this episode. So before he, you know, ha- has that traumatic flashback with his dad, I think he was thinking about how he had to kill Rick Flag, mm-hmm. and then Peacemaker. What peace, a joke, right? And then he didn't kill that butterfly that got out of the senator. He kept it, so that's probably going to play into some things later on. Yeah, and he and the, uh, he told the team he just shot it, so they don't know that he has it. Yeah, and then I think Adebayo finds a lead on the butterflies and tells Mern, and then boom, biggest cliffhanger! Hang out. Turns out Mern himself is a butterfly. Yeah, and I suspected this a little after episode three, where you know Mern uses that explosive. And then he's like, oh, I guess it's not working. And he walks up to it and then it explodes. And then he seems to be like, he's fucked up, but he's fine. I was like, hmm, okay. But yeah, Mern's a butterfly. And then I think Cena, it, 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 the the episode ends with, or I don't know if the, the episode ends with Mern being revealed as a butterfly. But like the last we see of Cena, he's getting high uh, with Eagly and the butterfly and just listening to music and kind of just going through his memories and. And James Gunn's directed the first three episodes. Um, Jody Hill directed the fourth one, but James Gunn has written all of them, and I think he um, he he is going to he's the main writer for the rest of the show too. So that's that's pretty outstanding, cool. dude. Like if if you guys aren't already watching this show, like if you li- if you've listened to us in the past, we implore you go fucking check out Peacemaker. It is one of the best fucking just shows out there i i saw like john campy on twitter tweeting out that this is the best dc show ever he's like i know i'm including the flash i'm including arrow i'm including all of those this is the best dc show ever so i'm here for it i think a new episode just dropped this was one of the shows where i waited up until midnight until they dropped and then so i could watch the newest episode like i haven't done that since like the mandalorian i think yeah and i think a new episode drops tonight I think it dropped last night. So when we're recording this January 26th, um, you know, that's why we didn't get a chance to talk about episode five and then also the New York episode of Boba Fett because, you know, our, our scheduling got thrown off a little bit. But we'll include that in next week's show. Uh, we'll we'll uh, bundle up episode, the, both of the episodes of Peacemaker and um, also both of the episodes of Boba Fett. But again, guys, we are imploring you, if you haven't already checked out the show, Go fucking watch it. We should have let off by saying this and not spoil everything and then say this at the end, but fucking go watch it, man. All right, let's end with Boba. <laughs> Boba Fett. Now, Boba Fett is... um, Boba Fett episode is equally... Four. Episode 4 equally as fucking... You know, we talked about that first episode, but now I'm all on board, and... So it kind of show he it's been piecing it's been kind of piecing the story of Boba Fett's life from when that was his biggest thing, right? Everybody was like, if Boba Fett was such a badass, why was he dispatched of so quickly? So now they're piecing his whole life story together, and this one it kind of this pieces the story about how he ran into Fennec. So when this show picks up on this one, it's kind of um, he's writing. What are you, a BAFTA? No, no, yeah. a BAFTA tank's where he's in. No, uh, the Bantha. Bantha, Bantha, yeah. And they use practical effects, it looks like, on it. And then the effects of those things are pretty cool. Okay. Slow as fuck, which I'm yeah. pretty sure you could walk faster than that. But then again, it's going to be a lot of walking. So Yeah. So, you know, his um, the tribe that took him in, the Tuscans, have been slaughtered. So he's trying to get revenge. And then 
he needs his ship back. So he goes to um, Jabba the Hutt, which is now no longer Jabba the Hutt's throne. It's already been taken over. And then he sees there's too many people, so he wants to come back. And when he's leaving, this is where we saw him with the Spurs show up in Mandalorian. Mm -hmm. So the connections are really... And there he sees Fennec Shand for the first time, and she's dying. So he takes her to a uh, mod parlor, I think they call them, where people like go to modify themselves with robotic parts. And that's how he saves her life. So and I had no idea Fennec Chan was like half a droid from mm-mm. like, you know, it seems like from, but yeah. So, you know, now he, 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 he saved her life. So it's, it's like, here, I saved your life. Help me do this. And we're square. Like if you help me get my ship back and they changed the name of his ship, it used to be called the slave one. And now they've changed it to fire spray, I believe. Mm-hmm. And, um, is it fire spray? I, I wrote down in my notes that they did change it. I think it's fire spray or fire. Sp- I think it is fire spray. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. I wouldn't be able to tell you. I don't fire spray. Yeah. Used to be called the slave one back in the day, but they changed it to fire spray. And um, yeah. So now they're fucking getting their ship back and they're both working together. Yeah. So they get the ship back and then that was a really neat scene to it. And they show, you know, um, how they do it and everything. And then when he does all that, that's that was her deal, his deal with Fennec. You know, he goes, you help me get my ship back and then you're free to go. Do what you need to do. And he tells her his plan is to kind of take over. He goes, aren't you tired of um, just listening to these idiots and doing... He's talking about people who they accept their bounties from, you know? What if we ran our own kind of guild? Like, that? that's his main thing, you know? Um, and she goes... He goes, she goes, uh, like, he goes, in pledge, I'll give you something you've never had. I'll give you loyalty. So she decides to stick around with him. Yeah. So he, he's essentially saying, like, you won't be working for me. Like, I'll look at you as an equal. And we've seen that throughout the show, like, so far. Um, you know, he really values her. It's not like, hey, you work for me or anything like that. It's like, hey, we're working together. Like, I have the throne, but you're right here with me. Um, and, you know, that's what he offered her. And then. He's like, all right, where do you want me to drop you off? Like, you know, he takes fire spray, mows down those fucking bikers mm-hmm. that killed the Tuscans. Uh, that's what we believe so far. And goes into the uh, the fucking Sarlacc pit. That was a cool shot, man. When they're taking the ship into the Sarlacc pit. And then, um, you know, they end up dist- uh, they ended up killing it. But um, obviously we see from watching the Mandalorian that like, he does get his, you know, armor back and how he gets it back so that's what i was curious about like i was like are they going to kind of continue to tell us this but it looks like this is really the end of the flashbacks because after that one when he gets out uh they the the droid tells him like all right sir like you're fully healed so he's not going to be going in the bafta tank anymore no so do you think this is the end of the flashbacks I don't know. I, I don't think so. I think he was fully healed from his last encounter, but we might see the back to tank again. I don't, if he gets wounded again, I, I feel like that's the whole thing with the back to tank. Um, yeah. But then, so, and then Fennec, Fennec has like a reply to that. She goes, what about the scars on the inside? And he goes, those take a little bit longer and kind of just shows you how much character arc he's had from, she even tells him, you know, the Tuskins have kind of made you soft at one point. And he goes, no, they've kind of given me more insight and he's kind of learned a lot from them. So 
after that, he goes to um, he goes to I forget her the name. Casino. Yeah, the the bar. You know, he's at the um, man. What? Why can't I think of the name for? Anyways, but he sees Chrysanthemum there. Chrysanthemum just being a douche. Douche. Yeah. These people yeah. winning and it's like fuck this. Yeah, I think um, they call it the sanctuary, but yeah. So he's just like. And you get a little bit of backstory from him because he's fighting Trandoshans, and then they tell him like, "Hey, um, the, the whoever runs the the sanctuary, she tells him we know you were a gladiator, and you were at one time like your name drew crowds. People used to come to you and watch you be barbaric and do shit. But she goes, that was a long time ago. People have changed. What once was considered glorified and stuff is." now considered cruel like times are changing you know and he doesn't give a fuck he still tears off he dismembers the Trandoshan. Rip, rips the limb out of somebody's arm which we've heard about wookies doing from fucking the original oh, trilogy callback exactly yeah callback i love i just did i'm telling you callbacks they work a magic and again setting um, the stage for chrysanthemum to join his team because i think he offers him a job too at the end right and chrysanthemum kind of storms so he out offers him a job he offers him a job and right after he offers him a job he has a banquet with all of the mas espa's other crime families so he's basically telling them you know come with me and help me fight the pike syndicate because they're stealing the sands you know the spice, spice. trade and um they refuse they refuse and then they like so why would we help you blah 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 and then you see the rancor mm. like just scares the living shit out of all of them and that yeah. whole scene is like the straight out of a gangster movie like having a having a having a dinner like that i think like even the music that was kind of playing in the in the background was it kind of gave me like some godfather vibes and then yeah like you know, sitting right over the rancor pit, and then and you have like, Chrysanthemum right. on his right hand, like mm -hmm. so. What he basically tells him is, you know what, you guys don't find, don't be on my side if you don't want, because they're like, why would we, you know, what do we have to gain out of this? But he goes, don't take the Pike Syndicate side either. Yeah, like just stay out of it then. Let me. And then they it. all agreed, and it ends with him telling Fennec, he needs more muscle, and she goes, how much money do you have? And he says, I have a lot. I don't have money. She goes, if you have money, then muscle can be bought. So I feel like that's what the next episode's kind of going to lead into is them getting more recruits and kind of getting ready for a whole kind of, uh, this is what it is. It's kind of like a, so it's kind of like a takeover, a mob movie in a way set in a stand, uh, Star Wars universe where he's kind of building his empire, you know, syndicate, syndicate, sorry. And cause Bib Fortuna kind of just wasn't. He was just appeasing everybody and he was just making little treaties. And as long as he got what he would like, he didn't care, but he's going to rule in a different way. And I think that's what this is going to set up for him taking on the Pike syndicate and him um, kind of maintaining. Cause what, that's one thing they keep saying, like Bib Fortuna was no Jabba the Hutt, like Jabba the Hutt was feared. So I think this is kind of, and he even says that to Fennec in an earlier episode, I maintained to, he goes, Jabba ruled with fear. I'm going to rule with respect. Yeah, Jabba was and, feared because he kept feeding people to his rancor. And then, you know, these motherfuckers is good. They know that there's a rancor down there now. And like, and fucking Boba is a little bit more, you know, we're talking yeah, about yeah. like, 
Like, Boba will fuck you up. Jabba's not going to move around too well, you know. As we would say in Punjabi, Boba Fett uh, Jatta. Yes, we would. <laughs> and, um, yeah, man, that's going to do it uh, for the show. Uh, fucking action-packed. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it again. Uh, you know, the, the, we weren't able to make one last week, but, you know, so hopefully we kind of oh. made up for that. But go ahead. And um, I just kind of wanted a small little brief um, thing, you know, we talked about. It, it's been sad. It's been a good – it's been a – you know, every, every day's a gift. And we talked about Bob and we talked about – Betty White, another person that passed away recently was Louis Anderson. And a lot of people might, he used to be the original host of Family Feud. And he was, um, for me, I grew up with life with Louis. It was on a Fox Kids show. So just overall, I saw like a little video with Zach. I didn't know a lot more, but I just remember him from that. And I remember Family Feud. But I saw a video with Zach Galifianakis and they co-starred in something. And he said, this dude was like very pure, very nice guy. And, uh, I think it was cardiac issues, but rest in peace to Louis Anderson. And um, on that note, speaking of rest in peace, um, you already know what today is. Yeah, January 26th. Uh, it's the two-year anniversary of Mamba, uh, Kobe, um, and the rest of the passengers and his uh, daughter. It's their death anniversary. So, you know, usually we have... It's still feels too fresh and too painful it hurts to talk about it so i don't really have much to kind of say i still kind of you know i try to watch the tribute videos and stuff but it's just still too hard um if you will if you have any final words for that just uh you know go ahead and then we're our outro this week's going to be a little different it's going to be i i don't i think you encompass that very well um thank you guys for listening like, share, subscribe. You guys know the drill. And, and yeah. Um, Until next week, this is Jess and Guggen signing off. Hey, guys, you know, it's, uh, I can't believe how fast 20 years went by. I mean, this is crazy. This is absolutely crazy. And, uh, you know, to be standing here at center court with you guys, my teammates behind me, and uh, appreciating all this, you know, the journey that we've been on. You know, we've been through our ups and been through our downs. And uh, I think the most important part is that we all stay together throughout. You know, I grew up, I grew up a diehard, I mean a diehard Laker fan. Diehard. I mean, I knew, knew everything about every player that's ever played here. So to be drafted, and then trade it to this organization. And to spend 20 years here, I mean, you can't, you can't write something better than this. And I'm more, proud, I'm more proud of the fact that, not about the championships, but about the down years. Because we didn't run. We didn't run, we played through all that stuff. And we got our championships, and we did it the right way. And, uh, all I can do here is just thank you guys. Thank you guys for all the years of support. Thank you guys for all the motivation. Thank you for all the inspiration. And, uh, you know, what's funny, <laughs> the thing that had me cracking up all night long was the fact that I go through 20 years of everybody screaming to pass the ball, and on the last night, they're like, don't pass it. <laughs> <laughs> Ha, ha, ha.
this has been this has been absolutely beautiful you guys i can't believe it's come to an end um you guys will always be in my heart and uh i sincerely sincerely appreciate it no words can describe how i feel about you guys and uh thank you thank you from the bottom of my heart i god i love you guys and uh i love you guys and uh, my family to my family, my wife Vanessa, our daughters Natalia and Gianna, you know, thank you guys for all your sacrifice. You know, for all the hours I spent in the gym working and training. And Vanessa, you holding down the family the way that you have. I, I, I can't, there's no way that I can thank you enough for that. So yeah, from the bottom of my heart, thank you. And uh, what can I say? Mamba out.